Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us again for this monthly wrap-up show. We're going to have some more fun and enjoy the different clips that we play from each of the episodes during the month of October. Uh, As last month was uh, the first one that we did, I thought it was entertaining, and it was definitely a blast to produce and record, and especially, you know, the kicking Tony out of the studio thing was uh, enjoyable for me. Um, So we'll continue doing this again. uh, We hope that you guys enjoyed last month's, and we definitely hope you enjoy this month's. Uh, So we have quite a few to get to this month here, and we'll probably start with uh, number one on the docket here, which would be Austin from The Members Show. Now, when we talk about The Members Shows, I hope you all understand that those are something that you can be part of as well. The Members Community is something that anyone who listens to The Confessionals Podcast can actually be a part of. It's pretty simple. You just go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, and at that top right corner, you see that join button? Bam! You click it, and you're part of the members community. You know, the best part about the members community is that you get that extra episode every week. Uh, you know, it it's one of those things where when you hear those members' trailers, sometimes you want to hear the full story, and there's a lot more than just what the trailer, you know, tries to explain a little bit, you know. Uh, we expound on on the stories that you hear, but there's even more stories that, the, that these people have to tell. Uh, so it's interesting, and I encourage you to go ahead and join for the members. If you'd like to hear more from the Confessionals podcast, that's where you go. All right, so enough of that. Let's move on to Austin here. Austin was our first members episode from October. Um, He actually shared several experiences that he and his father had had uh, encountering Bigfoot, including one time where his uh, his dad was with a friend at a campsite, and his dad heard something rummaging around on the campsite and thought it was his friend. Turns out it wasn't, and his friend said, that's not me, shoot it. So uh, we'll hear from Austin right now. Alrighty. Um, well, we've both had experiences in both places. Um, my dad kind of travels a lot with work and all, and, and he's actually a lineman. And the, kind of the, the first experiences that really took place were his, and they were in Arkansas. Uh, we've got a, had a, or used to have a, a place that we leased up there for deer hunting. And he'd always go with a really close friend of his up there, and they'd hunt for a couple weeks and then they'd come home and everything they'd, they'd limit out of their deer and all and they always noticed that while they were up there they'd always time it where they got there where they had a few days of bow season and then it went into gun season so they'd always try to get you know one or two with a bow and the rest of their deer they'd fill with rifles well they got to noticing that every year their first deer they killed they lost he would shoot it with his bow he blood trailed the deer you could see where it did the death kick and there'd be a big pool of blood and no deer it was almost like something picked up and walked off with it well this kind of rocked on for shoot i don't know how i don't know how many years it, it was several years it rocked on for um and they always had a certain spot they camped at well they found a new spot kind of in a, a little clearing where they decided to camp and once again, I mean, it was every year they'd kill a deer with a bow, they'd blood trail it, and there'd be no deer. And then all of a sudden, one year, they're, it's, it's late at night. They're all laying in their, their, or him and my dad are laying in their tents and everything. And something comes up and kind of starts messing with my dad's tent. Well, he thought it was a guy who was with him. 
he was like, man, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to shoot you. And uh, he never got no response back. And then he started hearing almost like a growling noise. And he's never heard anything like it. My dad's been in the wood his, woods in his entire life. And he said he's never heard anything like this before. And it would like come from the wood line and come out to his tent and go back and forth growling at him and everything. Well, he had a pistol in the tent with him. He had a 45 pistol. And he picked it up and you know, it came back again, was kind of messing with his tent again. And he said, kind of louder. And he, he called the guy's name was like, if you don't go in your tent and leave me alone, I'm going to shoot you. And he heard coming from his buddy's tent, that's not me, shoot it. And it kept going back and forth. And my dad actually racked his pistol. That way, if it was a person, it could actually hear that he had a gun, you know. And he racked the pistol and, and everything, and it kept on and kept on. Well, it was kind of a moonlit night, and when he saw the shadow of, of a hand reach out to grab his tent, and as soon as it touched his tent, he fired. Thanks for sharing, Austin. You know, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we used to camp it with a group from our church. Um, and I thought that, you know, one night we had heard some noise outside and uh, kind of just brushed it off. And the funny part was we woke up in the morning and a whole bunch of, you know, young guys thinking that we're, uh, you know, we only heard some deer or something turned out it was definitely not a deer and it was uh something a little bit bigger a little more aggressive coming through um but i can tell you for sure i have never had uh that kind of experience that austin's dad had uh, if i had heard that kind of growling i'm pretty sure i would have started yelling a little bit uh that kind of experience can really change your perception of camping in a tent that's for sure all right now let's move on to the next episode here we actually had a two-parter for this one, uh, this was Mark and Josh. Uh, we'll start with Mark here. Mark actually had a pretty interesting story where he had experienced seeing the progression of demon possession in his sister-in-law. He had even had moments where he had sat down and counseled her in a way. Uh, so Mark was close to the situation and was able to see some creepy things. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let's hear from Mark right now. Here we go. So... I go back and I say, I'm gonna try something. I don't know what's gonna happen. I reach over, I say a prayer and I reach over and I just touch her forehead. And her, in that, I mean, the exact moment my fingertips hit her forehead, she throws her head back and she's like, don't touch me, it burns, it burns, don't touch me. And she just kept screaming that over and over and over again. And her head was tilted so far back it looked like the the back of her head was almost touching in between her shoulder blades and, and she throws her head back forward and she just starts just spinning her head and 
like not all the way around, not like the exorcist and, and Linda Blair. It wasn't like that. It was like in a circular motion and you, it just, it would, didn't look real. It looked like something off a movie, but it wasn't like her neck was breaking or anything like that, but it was just that circle. And it was, it didn't look, it didn't look inhuman, but it was, it was definitely physical. And, and I looked at my brother-in-law and he's just absolutely terrified. And I wanted to run out of the house. He wanted to run out of the house. And I, I think at that moment we knew we, we were in, in deep. And, and I, I told him, I said, dude, we have to pray over this house right now. And I look at her and she had gone back into that position where she had her hands clenched together and her head down. And I said, I think she's okay for the, for the moment. Let's, let's go and, and start praying over the house just so we have some protection here. And we're not, you know, we're, we're not fighting on the devil's battleground right here. We, we need a hedge of protection over the house and over us. So we start praying together. We're walking around the house and I have never felt this before, but the way the living room was set up, the bedroom that she was staying in was kind of to the left of her off the couch. So it was like a living room, then a bedroom. I, the door was open in the bedroom and I, and the lights were off and I was praying over the house and I just, something told me like, go in there. I walked through the threshold of the bedroom and I'm not, I'm not kidding you, Tony. It was like walking through saran wrap. It just stretched my face back. It just stretched across. It felt like when you're walking through the woods and you just run through spider webs. And it just stretched across me. And I felt like I had it on me. And I'm like wiping, like wiping my face. And I don't know. It was the weirdest feeling I've ever had in my life. And I know there was nothing there, but it just felt like I was crossing over into the darkness and it was so thick in the air. You could feel it on your skin. And, um, I've never experienced anything like that. So I'm praying in there and I'm like, get out of this house. You don't belong here in the name of Yeshua. Get out of this house in the name of Jesus. Get out. And, um, so I'm walking through and I look and something catches my eye to the right. And there was a bathroom that kind of extended to the, back of the house off of that bedroom and I look over and this thing this dark shadow person entity was in a spider-man position on the floor staring at me through that down that hallway and the lights were off but I could just it was so dark it was darker than the dark in the room and it was just sitting there looking at me like it was going to jump on me. And I don't know. <laughs> I have never experienced, I've never experienced that kind of darkness, but I've also never experienced that kind of courage. And I think that I was, it was it, looking back on, I was like, dang, that was stupid. Why did I do that? But then at the same time, I was just felt so empowered by trying to help this girl. But also like I felt empowered by by the spirit, spiritual nature of God and, and the power that he, he um, possesses. And it was like he was where we were fighting a possession. I felt possessed by the spirit in a good way to go and just tackle this thing. So I start, I get this courage up and I just take this deep breath and I start walking towards it. And 
I would like to say that I, I looked like the Terminator or something, you know, walking towards this thing. I was about to take it out, but I know, I know I probably looked a lot more scared than that, but I was just like, my chest was puffed out and I was walking towards it and I'm just praying. I'm like, get out, get out, get out in the name of Jesus, get out. And like that moment, that thing comes by me like a, like I was at a NASCAR race and I was sitting front row and it comes by me and like, I feel the wind off of it and it runs by me. And then I turn around as, as it ran by me, I turned and looked and it goes out the door, out the, the bedroom door. And I was like, yes, I think we got that out of here. And I walk into my brother-in-law. I was like, did you see that? And he was like, yes, I saw it. And uh, he's like, he's like, it's gone, man. I think it's gone. And I looked at my sister-in-law and I was like, I think it's gone now. And not without looking up, her hands are still clenched. She says, no, it's not. And I was like, oh, I was like, then where is it? And she, she said, it's down the hallway. And so I go down there. And I'm like praying, I'm praying. I don't feel anything. I'm like, this doesn't feel anything like the bedroom. I'm like, there's nothing down here. And she was like, it's still here. Not looking up, hands still clenched together. I look at my brother, uh, my brother-in-law and I'm like, dude, it is here. It's in her. And I was like, she's messing with us. I was like, I know it's not her, but this thing is messing with us is sending us, getting us away from her. And he was like, oh, dude, we got to pray for her. And I was like, yeah, we got to pray. And so I said, on the count of three, let's both put our hands on her. We'll start praying for her. Now, understand, like, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to let God guide me because I've never, ever, ever exercised anybody before or since. So I had no idea other than this one instance. So we both put our hands on her. And as soon as we do, she starts fighting us. I mean, not, not fist fighting, but just we, we've got a hold of her and she's throwing us around like rag dolls. I mean, we finally wrestle her sort of to the ground, but she's like in a push up position. And at the time I probably weighed 140. My brother-in-law weighs 165. So we're not, tiny dudes but you know we're not huge either but she's like five one and 110 pounds of soaking wet you know what i mean and she's in this push-up position and she is just lifting us off the ground over and over and over again we're laying on top of her i've got my knee in her back i've got my hand wrapped around her forehead just praying as hard as i can pray my brother-in-law's trying to hold her down she's just push doing push-ups she finally throws us off like like Bane or something. She just like throws us. And I hit the back of the, or the front of the sofa with my back and my brother-in-law is standing there and he's like, we got to pray. We got to pray. And she's just doing the head thing again. She's swinging her head around like in a circular motion and she's going, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And, um, so I like freak out. And then I'm, I, 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 put my hand back on her, on her forehead and her hand, her, my hand is like not staying on her forehead. She's doing all this circular motion stuff. 
she's just like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Get away from me. This, it burns. And I mean, she just kept saying that stuff over and over and over again. We did this for like 45 minutes and there would be breaks. Well, actually I, I can only remember like one break in all of it. And it was like, we just took a breath and it was like, I think it's gone. And it's like, as soon as we said it, it would start back up again. And she just kept doing that over and over again. Her eyes were rolled back in her head. I mean, it was just the craziest. Like, I don't even remember all the details. There's probably a lot more stuff that happened. I just don't remember it because it was like a whirlwind. When we got done, it was like 45 minutes later. She was just peaceful and quiet and it just stopped. And... I sat back and sat in the chair and I was just exhausted and my brother-in-law was exhausted. And, um, I was like, I think it's gone. I think it's gone. And she was sitting there on the couch. And now at this point, she's like looking at us and it looks like her. It doesn't look, you know, it was just a, she didn't look angry or didn't, it, it was her. And she says, I think it's gone too. She's like, I don't feel the heaviness. And I, like I said, I never, you know, you hear in the, uh, maybe in some stories, like they throw up or, you know, they, something comes out of them. And it wasn't like that. It was just stop. It was like peace. And um, she was like, I, I just, I don't feel it anymore. And I was like, I don't either. There and my brother-in-law agreed with us and she said I can tell you something Mark when you walked in the room tonight and I started telling you those stories she said this thing kept telling me to hate you and kill you and I was like oh, my goodness so I knew in that exact moment that she was possessed and this thing was controlling her I knew I mean I kind of thought that before but this was this was a true possession and i realized in that moment too like we exercised her we did that you know with the help of god i mean we 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 conquered that thing man and um man i just it, I, to this day it is one of the scariest and gut-wrenching things i've ever experienced in my entire life Wow, Mark, that's just insane. You know, the good news is at least you were there to help her get through that situation. Uh, and God was there with you, too, because that uh, that's just one situation you don't want to stand on alone. All right, let's get to part two of this episode here. We're going to talk to Josh. Josh actually had several other uh, experiences apart from this specific one, but we're going to listen to the one that actually really caught my ear. Um, this was one of the first things he shared with us on the episode, and it was actually about a call that he received uh, one night on the job, uh, last call of the shift, and it was a Friday night, and he said it was a guy who said that his father-in-law was threatening to kill him and then kill himself. So let's hear from Josh right now. All right, well, let's see. It would have been about three summers ago. 
I can't tell you the exact date, but I know it was Friday because there was three of us working. So anyway, uh, we get dispatched to a uh, a male who's calling saying his father-in-law wants to kill him and then wants to kill himself. So we go out. My partners get there, both of them get there before I do. And I'm all the way across the county. So fly over there and I'm the third guy on, on scene. So I'm playing catch up the entire time. And so I've been there actually to this residence before. It's this little subdivision in the middle of the Huron National Forest. There is absolutely nothing out there. It's down a dirt road and, you know, you hear banjos playing when you get out there. So anyway, you get out there and um, talking to the, the son-in-law who called and, you know, I, I knew him by his first hand because dealing with him before. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, my father-in-law, he just got up here yesterday. Says he hasn't slept in several days. And, you know, he's, he's acting really weird. I'm like, well, what do you mean by weird? And he's like, well, he, he says he wants to kill me. And then he wants to kill himself. I'm like, all right, do you say he's going to do it? He goes, yeah, he wants to stab me with this, this pair of scissors. Like, okay. Um, you know, like, what's his deal? Like, do you guys get into it or something? He goes, no, he just looked at me. And it was the weirdest look I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill myself. And I said, that's when I called 911. Like, all right. So we were standing out on the porch, and, like, when he's talking to me, you know, you get a feel for, for talking with people and everything. And it was just weird. Like, it just seemed like a heavy atmosphere. And I was like, this is really weird. Like, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I'm like, okay, well, let's just figure out, you know, what's going to happen from here. And my partners are talking to him, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much thinking, all right, this guy's going to go to the hospital. He's going to get checked out by a doctor. You know, if he's got to go to the mental institution for however many days they need to put him in there, <laughs> excuse me, um, then that's what's going to happen. So they're in there talking to him. And that guy, he's, I don't know, I'd probably say 65 or so. And he goes, you know, tells a story to my partners. And I'm listening to him. And I looked at him like, why do you want to hurt him? he looks at me with like the weirdest look like it was like he was looking at me but then there was like something else looking at me like behind his eyes i don't even know how to describe it It was the weirdest thing and it just like gave me just straight up chills and i was like oh this is this guy's weird and he goes the voices tell me to do it i'm like the voices he goes yeah the voices they're telling me to kill him and then kill myself i was like then what's going to happen from there he goes i don't know this is what they're telling me to do and so my partners look at me, I look at them, I'm like, holy smokes, we need to get something going with this guy. And so I'm, I don't know, you just, it kind of was at the time, just like an, a normal, I guess you could, if you consider it normal, a crazy person call and, uh, or excuse me, a mental, be politically correct. But, uh, so we had the ambulance come and they take them and something just told me, you know, like, you should pray for that guy. I'm like, okay. So I start praying for him and, so to give you it takes about no 10 miles or so just to get to the main road on dirt roads to get out of the subdivision so there's the ambulance my one partner is going to follow him up to the hospital another my other partner and then myself so i can't see in the back of the ambulance because it has those you know like the one-way stickers on it where you can see up and not in and so i'm like you know praying i'm like you know god just give this man you know his mind some rest and ease and you know if he actually does have voices or something like that you know quiet them and and let this man, you know, have some peace. So I'm praying for him, but it was like, you could feel somebody staring at you. And I can look right at the ambulance as it's driving. And I feel like this guy is staring at me the entire time I'm behind him. And I'm like, 
this is absolutely like the weirdest call ever. Like I got hundreds of calls, you know, over my seven year career of, you know, dealing with such weird people. But like this one, I was just like, what in the world? Like it is just the weirdest feeling the entire time I'm there. It's like, it's hard to breathe when you're there. I'm like, man. So I ended up turning off because it's right at the end of shift. Of course, you know, all the weird stuff happens right at the end where you're going to stay forever, you know, <laughs> and you get stuck at work because, hey, surprise, there's that late call and you get hit with it. And uh, so they turn off and, and keep going and I go back to the office and as soon as I turn, I couldn't see the ambulance anymore. That that feeling of being stared at was just gone. I was like, that guy was staring at me. There's something more here than just him being crazy. Like, you just could feel it. Thanks, Josh, for sharing with us. You know, those are the situations where I feel like we've all kind of had those moments where someone's creeped us out or there's been some presence that we felt that's just odd or, or uh, heavy or daunting. And, uh, you know, it just it just crawls under your skin a little bit um, when you think about it, especially when you think, could it have been something like what these two guys went through with Mark and Josh? Um, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully it wasn't anything like that. Uh, because I know for sure I felt those times too. You walk by someone or you go into a place and you just, uh, any of those haunted buildings you end up going into, if you've ever been into a haunted house or, uh, Penhurst or anything like that. I mean, these places just have that presence about them, that heaviness in the air. And, uh, some people too just end up having that. And I don't know, man, you know, it's just... It's something that we all kind of probably have dealt with or felt at one point in our lives, but hopefully, you know, nobody had to deal with anything like these guys did. So now we're actually going to move on to the members episode, uh, which was Josh and not the same Josh, but a different Josh. Josh actually is a paranormal investigator in Cecil County, Maryland. Um, he's he's had several experiences throughout his life with the paranormal, um, but he comes on the member show to share with us a little bit about an experience that he had specifically of what he would call a ring wraith from Lord of the Rings. Uh, so if you've ever seen those movies, you know those are those black cloaked figures. Uh, you know they. They basically are undead. Um, and for him, he actually saw this when he was a kid uh, playing in a church parking lot near his house. Um, you know, one of those situations where when you're a kid and you see something like that, I mean, what the heck do you do? <laughs> you call for your parents right away. Uh, at least I would probably not have tried to fight it because uh, I did watch Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. But anyway, we're going to hear from Josh in the members episode right now. We lived right down the hill from a church. It was a big church. It was basically in our backyard, and all the kids met up there, like, in the winter to go sledding and things like that. And then the back alleyway, we used to skateboard and, and you know, ride our bikes and rollerblade and things like that, you know, actually when kids played outside. Um, and uh, we, uh, we were all late at night. We were playing hide-and-seek, and, seek and uh, we had... After we played hide and seek, we had a, a soccer ball. We were kicking it back and forth, and it went into the parking lot of the church. And as it went to the parking lot of the church, my friend went up to grab it. And the only way I can describe it is it looked like a. Have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Uh, the Ring Wraith. 
um, the, the big, you know, scary ring wraiths. It looked like it flew out of the church and just chased him. And we all saw it. He screamed. He ran. Like, it was terrifying. Um, and that was, that, that'll be something that sticks in my head forever. It was, it was absolutely terrible. Like, it, it was a physical thing. Like, it literally chased him. The same church... Uh, we would, there was a rocking chair in the basement and, you know, we dare each other to go look at the rocking chair because it was, you know, it was said that it would rock and, um, in the basement of that church, this is a window going right through to it. And sure enough, every time we looked at that rocking chair, it was rocking. And yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that went on in that area. man josh you know the only question i have for you is where was frodo (laughs) you know if i don't make anybody else laugh i definitely make myself laugh so i hope you enjoy that uh now we're gonna go ahead and move on on a serious note to michelle uh and michelle actually shares with us several different experiences she's had throughout her life um some are dark and some are actually pretty nice and light she shares with us uh, all different types of experiences like nightmares, um, sleep paralysis, you know, apparitions, hearing and feeling different things that you can't explain, um, you know, and a bunch of other things as well. Uh, apparently during the episode, Tony said there was an explosion, uh, like a loudspeaker sound almost, like a loudspeaker had exploded and it caught everybody off guard that was talking. So uh, there you go. There's some crazy things that always happen during the episodes and there was one of them. Uh, But Michelle shares with us a little bit about an experience she had when she was at a worship service um, where she had closed her eyes. She had started to see a bright light um, and was confused why no one else had also seen the same light. And even as the worship service progressed, she started hearing an angelic choir and just some incredible other things that she had also gone through. Um, So I hope you guys listened to that one. But if you didn't, here's a little taste right now. then moved finally his sister moved out next door so we moved to that place and I immediately felt like something was watching me I felt really uncomfortable and things started moving around in our bedroom and he my boyfriend at the time was not the type of person that was believed in any of that it irritated him he didn't like to talk about it Um, he doesn't like scary movies just anything like that he just pushed it away I don't know if he was scared of it or just didn't believe but he always laughed at what I would tell him my experiences even though he was experiencing it too um he never acknowledged it he just thought there was always an explanation um so I couldn't sleep I'd be up late um it was affecting me at work 
I was drinking a lot, just trying to cope with it and just really unhappy. I was going through depression and I would wake up and things would be moved around the room and I'd ask him, did you move that? And he's like, why would I touch your stuff? I'm not rearranging things around here. I didn't move anything. And then I had this wooden jewelry box that would always be pressed to the very edge of our wall unit, where if you touched that thing or blew on it, it would fall over on my head. So I'd push it all the way back again. And it's, it was pretty heavy where, you know, it's not easily moved. And I would shake the bed frame and try to figure out how is this thing moving? And it, it doesn't move. The bed frame wasn't, it was like, you know, pressed up against the wall, very heavy, old. And it's just, I couldn't explain that either. And it happened twice where that thing, I woke up and I look up and it's over my head hanging. And so I felt like it was just, you know, picking on me or trying to scare me. And um, I would put on a nightlight in the bathroom and he would end up turning it off. He hated light. And I just was so scared to be in the dark. Um, And then this one experience that really, really scares me to this day, and I still can't explain it. Um, I woke up one night and I saw the silhouette next to me in the bed. And it was almost like it was kneeling and I could see it looked like a person and its arms were kind of folded over and its chin was resting on its hands. And it was leaning on the bed, looking at me and I'm turned around and I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, what is that? Is that a person? And I'm thinking I need to touch it because it's not moving. Um, I was trying to tell myself, is it my laundry basket? No, because that was in the corner. And why does this look literally like the silhouette of a person leaning on my bed, staring at me? And I'm terrified. I'm trying to wake him up. I was pinching him. I was shaking him. He would not wake up. I did everything I could to try to get his attention. And he just was dead asleep. And I finally got the courage after a long time to lean over and smack this thing with my elbow. And as soon as I hit it, it was mass. It was like flesh. I heard like a smack kind of like when you hit a person, like when you punch them. That scared me so bad to realize it was something there. And I passed out. I think I was so scared. In that moment of fear, I passed out. Because the next thing I knew, I woke up in the morning and everything's where it should have been. The laundry basket was in the corner. Nothing was there anymore. Uh, my boyfriend was up and in the kitchen and or in the living room. And I just couldn't explain that. What the heck was that thing? What was it doing there? And how is it possible that I could actually feel it? And I thought back to the podcast that you had with the other guy that went, he was lured in the closet and thought it was, he was playing hide and go seek. And he said that, I think he said he touched it. That's the only thing I've ever heard that matched my story because I've never heard of a person being able to touch an entity um, that felt human. And it was just shocking and scary. And to this day, my family wants to hear that story because it's so creepy. Um, After that, I, I had a really hard falling out. I hit rock bottom, just drinking and trying to just cope. I was into tarot cards. I was trying to figure the wrong direction. I was practicing tarot and I was, you know, doing signs and um, 
you know, astrology, just looking for something that made sense. And it just kept leading me towards darkness for some reason. And I was just out partying every weekend and drinking, trying to just not feel or, you know, because I couldn't sleep. So I just passing out was the only thing I could think to do is drinking till I fall asleep. Um, and it came to a point where my uncle just came over and he started doing Bible, Bible study with me. And I started going to church and praying and, and my life changed, things changed. Um, but I got a different kind of, um, experience when I started, you know, following Jesus. Um, and it was good. I, I didn't feel afraid so much anymore. And I started having experiences that I couldn't explain. And uh, for instance, in church, I was singing and we were singing worship and I closed my eyes and I start seeing a light. And I opened my eyes thinking like, is anybody else seeing this? And everybody else is in to the worship too. And I close my eyes again and I start hearing like a beautiful choir. I've never heard a more beautiful sound in my life. My life. Well, Michelle, really appreciate you sharing that experience with us. You know, it can be really nice hearing some of those brighter and lighter experiences occasionally. So we appreciate that. All right, we're going to move on here next to our member show here with Josette. What a crazy episode. Uh, There were just several experiences that she had shared with us. Some very bizarre experiences in the house where she grew up. I mean, just some incredibly crazy things, especially when she's talking about these imaginary friends that she doesn't think may have necessarily been imaginary. And on top of that, just the fact that she was getting dreams where she would have dead people come to her and request for her to tell someone a message or give someone a message and uh, and just the reaction and the things that would come from that. I mean, this was just a an action-packed crazy show so i hope you guys enjoy this members trailer so i'm standing at the sink doing dishes and cleaning up like my mom asked me to and something directed or caught my attention when i looked through to the back door and the doorknob is turning and it's very slowly turning. Like, all right, blink your eyes, look away. No, the doorknob is seriously turning. And I, you know, all these thoughts are going through my head. Like, oh dear God, somebody's breaking into the house. What do I do? Do I do I call the police? Do I do I grab a knife because I'm in the kitchen and approach it? Do I, what, what am I going to do? And I'm kind of backing away at this point, and um, the doorknob stopped. And at that point, I heard, I heard a lot of chaos. That's the only thing I can describe. It was like this chaotic noise in the basement it sounded like so many people were down there walking around and just this noise like a party was going on down there and at that point I kind of just hightailed it out the house and just hung out outside until my parents came home I was no way I was going back in that place and you got to remember this is a dark cellar I was petrified of it as is, and, and for all this stuff to be coming up from it. And like I said, the only the only way to describe it, it was just chaos. Just them, like so many people walking around and trying to get out of this cellar.
Well, I'm not one to pass up on a party just yet, so next time there's one at your house, just let me know. Give me the give me the invite. <laughs> All right, on to our next one here. We got Chris, and Chris actually had a pretty cool experience in Washington State. He and his friend had packed and gotten ready for a multi-day camping trip, but while they were on the camping trip after the second day, Chris's friend ended up knocking down a tree structure, which... You know, anyone who knows Bigfoot knows that bent limbs and tree structures and uh, whatnot, those are good signs that there might be some activity in your area. Well, his buddy knocked it down just for fun, thinking it was a joke and that someone else may have done it. But when Chris went back and fixed it, he said he felt that there was just some burden on him to go fix it. Now, to me, I would feel the same way that, it's you know, you I should fix what's, what was uh, knocked down and what was messed up. And when he got back to his camp, well, you know, I'll let him tell you the rest of the story. So the third night, or that night, excuse me, we're back in camp having a fire talk. And then we're like, well, let's just turn in early. But while we're sitting there, out in the distance, we heard this knocking. And... I thought, what in the heck, you know, what's that knocking? And my buddy goes, oh, it's probably just a deer. Well, then we heard a whoop and it was loud. It, it was in the distance, but it was loud. And then there was this loud kind of a, a howl, like an air raid siren. And then there was a loud screech and it was so loud. It just deafened the woods. Everything went quiet. And when I mean quiet, it's like when you put earplugs in your ear and all that white noise, ambient noise that you hear, it was gone and it was dead silent. And I had a level of anxiety in me that I wanted to go. But I was like, okay, you're just psyching yourself out. And it was silent for about two to three minutes. And then the white noise kind of came back. And I was like, okay, right. well, that was, that was weird. I couldn't really sleep that well. But uh, so we, we just went to bed after we heard that. He went to his camp. I went to mine. And uh, after those screeches, it was, just, it was just different. So we got up that next morning, and I asked my buddy, I was like, did you hear anything more last night? And he's like, no, it stopped after that. I'm like, all right. Well, I wanted to go hike. He wanted to stay at camp and walk around kind of where he thought he heard it. And it's not real smart to go hiking by yourself because, you know, you can get in trouble or whatever. And I told him the route I was going. And uh, I ended up going back to where the structure was. And I looked at it. And it was fouled up. I did the best I could. I just felt like I was obligated to fix it. It was just kind of a bizarre feeling. And I was really anxious when I was in there doing it. But I did what I can. I'm not a super big guy, but I did what I could to kind of fix it. And there were some wildflowers sitting around. I thought, what the heck, whatever. I'll just throw a piece offering, whatever it was. I just, I don't know. It was just weird. I felt obligated. So then I hiked past it and went on a little different trail for about a mile or two. And it got to be about two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I figured, well, with my distance hiking, I'll get back about 530. And I'll give me plenty of time to get back while it's still daylight. So go back to camp and, uh, he asked, well, did you see it? He's joking around. I said, no. And we just kind of sat around and BSed and enjoyed camp. And then we racked out, went to sleep. And uh, I had a hard time sleeping. And it, I woke up about 1130, 12 o'clock, and I heard footsteps. And I thought, oh, great. You know, we left some of our MRE out or something. Here comes a bear because there's, there's bear out there quite a bit in that country, bear. And we're by the goat rocks area. So there's, you know, goats, but they don't come in. They pretty much stay up in the rocks. But I heard it. And my tent was partially, my, my uh, window was partially open just to kind of get some ventilation in there because it was kind of warm. It was late September. 
or early September, excuse me, late August. And uh, so I'm laying there and I heard it come in more, but it didn't sound like it was, you know, four-legged. It sounded bipedal. I'm like, what in the world? And then I just felt this overwhelming anxiety and I was super uncomfortable. And so I sat up and I peeked out and outside the tent, about 10, 15 feet, there it was. And I completely froze and I could not believe what I was actually looking at. And I thought, okay, and I was awake. I was, there's no, you know, no alcohol, nothing involved. We didn't pack any of that in. And I'm watching it and it stops and it turns its head. It kind of looks at camp. This thing was uh, laying there. It was probably seven and a half feet and it had probably a four, four and a half foot shoulders span. And it was built like the arms and the legs on this, its arms hung down to its knee and it had kind of a, an apish apish face the moonlight hit it i couldn't get a real clear look but you know it had kind of an ape type nose and mouth and it stopped and the only reason i saw its face is it turned and looked at me because i made a noise and i thought oh my god this is it and my buddy's in his tent just snoring away and i want to wake him up but i didn't know what was going to happen you you literally cannot believe what you're looking at i never thought in a million years i'd see it and it made a little huff and a grunt and when it did that, it was like, uh, you know, the orchestra bass drums, the reverberation you get. When it did that grunt, I felt it in my chest and in my ears, and it looked at me. And then it turned, and there was a howl and a whoop out in the distance, and it perked him up. I, I'm assuming it was a male, because I didn't, after hearing encounters, sometimes you can see the female anatomy. But I'm assuming this was a male, because it had, you know, it, it had a male's chest and muscles. And, and it was, you know, seven and a half feet was my best guess. And after the whoop and the howl, it turned and looked, perked up. And then it just started walking away from camp. I didn't go to sleep. I just laid there awake because I couldn't fall asleep after that. And then as it walked away, I started feeling relief. And it's like, well, in the, you know, I was pretty shook. So I just, I didn't sleep. And I finally got out of the tent about five when the sun was coming up. And I walked around and I could see where the brush was laid down for, from when it walked in and the underbrush and sticks were broke. But I couldn't see track because there's so much dendrology and grasses and it's, it's kind of a sandy, it's more toward the east side, so you get a little bit of sand and dirt. Anyhow, so he wakes up, and I'm sitting out there, and I told him what happened, and he goes, he just laughed at me. He said, that thing didn't, it would have woke me up. I'm like, you just slept right through it, man. I said, it, it, it came into camp, and he dismissed me and kind of laughed at me, and he goes, why are you so shook up? I'm like, Dude, I just told you why. And he goes, well, I said, let's, just, let's go take a walk. Let's go somewhere else. I need to clear my head, man. So we walked away from camp. And we're just nothing happened. Didn't hear anything. It was a good hike. We found a really awesome meadow out there. And just kind of enjoyed the hike. And I kind of calmed down. And it was still in the back of my mind. Well, we decided that's a we're, we're good here. We thought about moving camp out there because it was so nice. But it would have extended our hike back in when we were going home. So we just said, let's just stay where we're at. I was uncomfortable there, but I thought, all right, it's it, you're just you're just get yourself all worked up over nothing you know you saw it it's, it's fine i convinced myself it's okay well we come back to camp and this is the part that is absolutely wild we come back my buddy's like my buddy just stops and i stop and we froze and his tent was completely shredded it was shoved it was tossed shoved i don't know up in a tree about i don't know 12 feet or so his sleeping bag was tore up everything that was his personal property was completely destroyed and I look over and my tent and my stuff, my coffee cup I had hanging on the tree, a little metal tin cup that I put on my pack, that was hanging. All my stuff was perfectly fine, not touched. There's a little bit of prints, but not enough that it was, there was no serious depressions in the ground. 
But again, my stuff was fine. His was destroyed. And that absolutely shook me to the core in him. And he, he's like, what the heck? He goes, who came in here and destroyed our camp? And I'm like, Bigfoot, man, you pissed him off. You messed with his fort. He screwed you over. And I kind of laughed about it because I'm trying to keep myself calm and rational. So I'm pitching him crap about it. But I wanted to leave real bad. But the problem was it was starting to get dark. And we didn't want to hike through there at night with whatever's going on. But there's absolutely zero sign of people. And in front of my tent, not right in front, but by it, there's a, a pile of like flower type stuff that they put down by mine. And that absolutely froze me. And it was almost like I got gifted and everything I'd ever read that I kind of laughed off. It was such a surreal thing, but it, I mean, it, it happened. It was there, it did that. And it's like, it gifted me flowers back and it left my stuff alone, but destroyed his. And I honestly think when it came into camp, it was seeing who was who and what was what. Well, Chris, that's got to be one of the craziest things I've heard before. You know, we've we've had uh, guests that came on and talked about feeling the fur, and even guests that have come on and said that they've seen them as you know in a close proximity, like you have. Um, but to have this that sense where, you know, before you came back to camp and after you had fixed the structure, to feel that sense of uh, something kind of just was amiss. But when you get a chance to actually see something and that close too, as big as what he is, it's just incredible. Uh, I know I would be, I would have felt the same way. The fear would have probably got the best of me and I probably would have stood there uh, frozen in place just like you. You know, it's crazy too because we kind of hear a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, stories of who Bigfoot is and, and just kind of, uh, you know, the the dilemmas behind what we think uh, Bigfoot might be and how he would act and you know we hear the stories of them being kind and uh, you know helping someone and, and even that story of a kid in uh, North Carolina a couple of years ago where he had something that had helped him stay alive after about two days in the woods uh, some people think it was angels some people think it was Bigfoot you know and then you have the stories of Bigfoot that you see, you hear they're throwing rocks. You know, they're kind of they're they're whooping and they're hollering and they're trying to scare you away. And you wonder if maybe they're more of a protective species. But uh, whatever they are, you know, even when we went out to a couple of years ago or a year ago, Tony and I went to uh, Western PA. And uh, even when we went out there, there were stories from guys that we were there with. Uh, they had, you know, rocks thrown and things like that. So it's just incredible to hear the different types of stories. And <laughs> no doubt in my mind, if I was in the same situation as you were, I would definitely have frozen in place and stared at this guy and probably had no idea what to do after that. What a good story that was, man. Um, so now we're actually going to move on here to Ryan. And Ryan was the member show here uh, called Diamonds in the Sky. Now, Ryan's experience, he's seen, you know, several UFOs throughout his life. Um, but Ryan's experience here in particular was one that was pretty interesting to me. Um, you know, what he had said, you know, apart from uh, apart from some of the other stories that he had told in the member show, this one was pretty cool where... He had, he had explained that this was not like some, you know, uh, triangular-shaped craft. This was specifically straight up and down, almost defying gravity in a sense. Uh, it was like if you took a square 
and you put it straight up and down. To me, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Almost like uh, the movie Arrival, where they had this, you know, oblong craft that was straight up and down. I mean, just completely defying gravity. So to see something like that uh, is pretty interesting to me. So let's get to Ryan's story right now. And then that brings me to the fourth one that I have to share with you. This happened in summer of 2018. Uh, every year my family gets a beach house at Wilmington Beach, uh, North Carolina. This is between uh, uh, 10 to 11 o'clock at night. I'm laying on the back. Uh, I'm laying on the back of the, the porch. And um, and uh, I just look, it's a really nice, it's really nice out. It's a really nice sky. Uh, basically this beach house, so I'm sitting on this deck and I'm just looking out at the stars. I'm looking at the ocean. The moon is out over the ocean. It's a beautiful night. Um, and I hear this thumping sound coming from the north. <clears throat> and so uh, I hear this thumping noise coming. It sounds like a helicopter. And so, you know, I'm paying attention. I'm kind of looking that direction. And then a couple seconds later, right in front of me, there is this huge, this large blacked out diamond shaped craft. Now when I say diamond, it, I don't mean like a diamond you wear on your finger. It's like if you took a square and tweaked it to where the top of the square was pointing up and the bottom of the, like pointing to the sky and the bottom of the square was pointing to the, to the, to the beach. And then one, the, the other opposite points were pointing forward and backward. So this huge diamond shape, completely blacked out. This thing was flying stealth, had no lights on, which I'm sure breaks all kinds of air codes to not have to be flying some craft with no lights on. This thing had no sign of propulsion, big blacked out diamond flying with a escort. And this helicopter, I looked it up, like you can't mistake this helicopter because you see them on TV a lot. It's a big double prop. Uh, I think it's called a CH-47 Chinook cargo helicopter is basically bringing up the rear like it, it looks like it's escorting this thing and so and why it needs to be escorted i don't know but they fly like in unison like right in front like right on the shoreline of the beach which i think is a weird other weird thing it's like why would these things fly like right on the shoreline, shoreline. and it's not even that late they fly across i watch them go by and i'm sitting there and i'm like I'm like, okay. And then I hear another thumping. I hear another helicopter. And I look to the north again, and there's another one. There's a same, the same exact convoy goes by a second time, as I just described to you. Uh, another blacked out diamond shaped craft flying in the front with a CH-47 Chinook military helicopter bringing up the rear. And uh, a couple days prior to this, I was seeing a lot of Apaches, or not a lot, but I saw a couple Apache helicopters flying on the beach. And I looked on the map and just an hour north of where of my position, where I was in Wilmington is uh, the, Marine, uh, the Marine base uh, Fort Lejeune. So I speculate that they could potentially be coming from that base. Um, but what's, what I think separates this sighting from all of my other sightings is that this completely links our military with anti-grav or pro-gravity, whatever you want to call it, electromagnetic energy. It links us to that technology, like in, like without a doubt, in my mind. 
So for me, this sighting is like very significant. I, you know, it's crazy when I hear these kind of stories, you just, you kind of want to know what the context is for there to be helicopters around a UFO like that. Uh, It's not the only story I've heard that's like that, but it is the only one that I've heard of with that kind of craft flying with the helicopters. Um, If they were chasing after this, you know, diamond shaped craft, it wouldn't make sense to me how this craft, like, it's got to be toying with these helicopters. You know, a gravity-defying craft like that, no chance that it can't get away easily. Um, but it's just crazy to think about. And it's so cool when you when you get a chance to see something like that. It's rare for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, if you get the chance to see it, you better say something because, you know, we want to hear about it, you know. All right, so let's get on here to our next story here. We actually had in this episode 280, uh, we had Reese join us. And Reese had just one of the craziest life stories going on with with this uh, continued, um, I don't even know what to call it, not an inhabitation, but, you know, I guess this this creature just kind of messing with him. And also just the things that he had seen in his childhood, you know, um, some dreams that he had had and, and... even this hat man that he had seen as well. And it just, these kind of stories are some of those that there's there's no other way to describe it besides creepy. Um, they creep you out because they make you think, if I had seen something like that, what would I have done? Um, I'm pretty sure even any anywhere that I would have seen a hat man, I would be exactly like what he said and run the other direction at one point, you know, uh, especially when he talks about having to go into the basement. It's like, you know, I... <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I would have to go upstairs past the past my parents bedroom and I would I would freak out because the attic door was right there. I would run by the attic door as quickly as I could to get into my room and I I'll tell you what it was hard sometimes because you're a kid and you start freaking out and you scare yourself as you think you see something and maybe I did but I'll tell you what if I saw something like he saw I'm pretty sure I'd do the exact same thing and run. So let's get to Reese right now. Um, but it was after that that I started to, to see this creature come right up to the house. At the time, we had an old deck that uh, it had no railing and the boards were rotten and you could fall through it, uh, as I have a few times. And uh, you could walk up to this deck and it was still fairly quiet even though it was a rotten old deck so we've had things like there's been moose that have walked onto the deck and other creatures there's been coyotes and bobcats and walked right up to our patio door without making a noise and i turned around and looked outside and it was the same thing i couldn't see anything but i could feel whatever 
it was was looking back at me, but it wasn't in the trees. Uh, it was after that, then it got closer like that constantly right up to the house. And eventually I would be sitting in the house in my room on my computer and I would see it down the hall or in the bathroom. But nobody else really seemed to notice it. It was only ever, or at least not that they've told me or I have actually never asked them. It's a bit of a weird subject to try and bring up. I know my dad doesn't believe in a lot of this and my mom does, but I don't know how much she would does believe in. Um, my sister, like I said, she kind of refuses to talk about this stuff. She'll talk about it on special occasions and that and never at her own house. And it really feels like talking about this stuff will almost bring it back into our lives. Uh, especially me living back here on the acreage where a lot of this happened and that thing that I saw, you know, it, it was here that I saw it all. Um, sorry, I'm just getting a little sidetracked and that's all right. Uh, when I would see it in the house, it would always be following me. Like its attention would be on me because I was the one that was always going into the woods um, my sister didn't like living out here. My dad didn't really do much to maintain the forest pathways, and that's why I got overgrown. It was it was always me that you know I loved exploring the woods and being out in the woods, and so it always that's my guess for why it always seemed to to follow me. But I'd be sitting in my room, and it would see it down the hall from the bathroom, looking at me or peeking up from around the stairs, and if I was walking upstairs, it'd be downstairs looking up. And then the moment I would get upstairs, it would, it would be there. It would be in the bathroom or in the closet, hallway closet, just sitting, staring at me. It had these huge sunken eyes. Like I could tell it had the, like had eyes, but I couldn't really see the eyes. I had never really fixated on the eyes because I was always stuck on the hands. They had these, long long fingers like maybe I don't know inches very well but maybe 10 inches and like if his body was ghostly white its nails were like dark reddish brown maybe blackish but it was always always dark wherever I would see it it would it would almost like it would fade into the darkness and step out only just so I could see it um it did this for years until I moved out uh, and I went to university. Uh, I moved to uh, the next province over. I moved to BC and went to school for a while. And it, uh, I had no feelings there. There was no, no seeing anything, no creatures that I could find. And then when I came home from university and I moved back in, it's almost like whatever it was went back into the woods that it, it's not coming up no more no more <laughs> oh man Reese you know your story was one of those that when I was listening to it I just I couldn't 
I couldn't get past how long that this had been happening to you and how much it would have affected me getting older. Uh, I know that these are situations that a lot, that there's a decent amount of people that go through them, but when I hear them kind of told the way you told it and as well as the way you told it, I can't get past the feeling that I know this would have creeped me out so much I would have had a hard time continuing to do certain things. And especially even just living at the same place that you know you've seen this creature before and cleaning out the trails and everything, you know, I I think that's a really brave thing to do. You know, when you describe it as these long fingers, very pale and, you know, uh, sunken eyes and everything, I mean, I... I don't know how you can go ahead and continue to do the certain things that you're doing. Um, and I just think it's incredible. And it's a good way to be able to show to other people who, have, who are going through similar situations that they're able to continue on with their life and not be afraid of it to the point where they can't live. Uh, but man, it's just the creepiest thing. I've I, One of the creepiest things I've ever heard, uh, especially when Tony kind of equated it to signs. And for me, that hit home because I remember being so scared of that uh, when I was a kid. That's one of the reasons why I was scared to go past the attic door was because the, in signs, the aliens come through the attic. And so I was always afraid that they were going to come in and get me as soon as I passed by their door. But it's it's sometimes the irrational fears that get the best of you because that's something that would not normally happen. You know, and that's the thing, too, is even though it may have been irrational for me to think that there was going to be something out of the blue that happened because I had no evidence of the contrary to say that there was something that would have in your case there's absolutely something to say that there would have been something that could have happened. Uh, you know, that's why, like, when this creature starts creeping from the woods into your house, I mean, you know, I just, I don't even know how you can move and, and feel comfortable to sit down in different areas. And, you know, I even when you talk about the, the dreams that you had, it's just, it's just one of those things to me where I, I cannot fathom having to go through something like that. So I give you a lot of props for being brave enough to continue to go ahead and live your life the way that you've been living it and not be afraid of doing what you're doing. So that's just incredible. But it's definitely one of the craziest stories I've ever heard and freaked me out because I, I definitely, you imagine that, that sort of creature in your head definitely gets you a little creeped out. So now we're moving on to the last show for the month. This was the member show with Mark. Uh, Mark shares with us, you know, a few different stories here, actually. Um, some that were extremely bizarre and, you know, just kind of like jaw-dropping when you think about it. Um, but the one that was extremely interesting was one where he had said in the middle of the night he had woken up and seen two entities that were attempting to hide what looked like an ancient scroll behind his wall. Um, it was bizarre to to say the least and considering what he had also said was there was a bright light and everything it's just you know when you <laughs> these sort of stories are some of those that just get you to be you know in awe they get you to be kind of just caught off guard because it's exactly what we see in movies it's the supernatural paranormal stuff that we don't think could even be real because we're told it's not so get ready for this one because this is just beyond real let's get to mark right now About on the fifth or sixth night, 
I was jolted awake, looked at the clock, like clockwork, it was two in the morning. And, but this time I saw like some light coming from the hallway. What I thought was happening was that our house was being broken into. It looked like somebody may have been in the living room or down a hall from a room that you're in, shining a flashlight going through things. I could just see <clears throat> the flutter of light. Well, then the light started getting closer. And at this point, I had was trying to make a decision, do I, do I want to run across the, the hall to my brother's room? So at least be two of us in there. Or uh, look for a weapon. I had no clue what to do. So I finally made the decision that I was going to run across the hall. And I went to step out of the bed, put both feet on the ground, and two very bright beings stepped into the doorway. The best way I can describe Tony is it looked as if somebody had put the thinnest veil of silk over somebody's face and just pulled it out of the field. I can see eyes, eye sockets. I can see where a nose would be. I can see where a mouth would be. I can see where ears are supposed to be. And the, the weirdest thing was that they had a, a tall one and they had a short one. And the tall one was carrying a scroll, a scroll work, like a, a almost like a Roman skull, scroll. And the short one was carrying a, a three-legged stool, like a very antique um, 1800 cobbler type stool. And I just kind of sat back in bed and, and was watching. They never looked at me. They, I don't think they never even knew that I was even in the room. They, they paid no attention to me whatsoever. So I was. they walked into the room and they looked above my closet door and the short one put the stool down the tall one stood on it and he pulled back the molding and shoved the scroll in and then pulled it back That's just incredible. I mean, a totally different experience than something I've heard before, especially when you're talking about hiding a scroll behind your wall. Like, just it's just insane. The rest of that episode was ridiculously good, too. So if you guys get a chance, go ahead, head on over to theconfessionalspodcast.com. Click that join button on the right corner if you're not a member already and haven't listened to it. it this one is worth it. This one was 100% worth it, and it, it just it blew my mind when I was listening to it. But thanks so much, everybody for joining thank you all of these wonderful guests that we had on this month i mean just some of the best stories that i've heard in a long time um and i hope you guys enjoyed them as well when you were listening to them hope you guys enjoyed this monthly recap you know we we really love doing this i love doing this, this has been a blast for me um coming into the studio being able to take over and just uh enjoy the ride while we're at it you know these monthly wrap-up shows are just for some fun 
giving you guys a little bit of a uh, taste of all the episodes throughout the month and just kind of having some fun with it, you know, goofing around a little bit. And uh, you guys get to hear this lovely, velvety, smooth voice, you know, just the best in the world. I mean, you get that other host who's uh, who's a what's it over there on the Confessionals podcast. He's uh, he's nothing compared to this guy right here, Jack Merkel. So I hope you guys enjoyed another fantastic month in October. We're moving on to November here and uh, we'll We'll get into it at the end of this coming month. Hope you guys enjoyed. See you around the bend. Yeah. 